I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. Oh, and this is our first emergency podcast. Uh, for those that uh, know this show, we haven't really had a, well, ever since we've gone to the SB Nation Team Brands Network for sure last month, this is the first. But even in, I think, the show's history, I don't know if we've actually had one that's been emergency podcast worthy. But today, Owen, we're here with Owen Reese. A big, big news, huge news. Alex Hornibrook no longer with the Wisconsin program. Wisconsin announces this uh, via press release, via email. They received this afternoon. And prior to that, you had reported it. Uh, AL.com's uh, Matt Zenitz. Hopefully I didn't butcher that name. Also reported it. ESPN's Tom Van Heron did as well. That Horty Brook had entered the NCAA's transfer portal. Before we even begin, initial thoughts, like I said, uh, maybe, you know, give some quick thoughts. In your opinion, just the news and, and how you took it earlier today. Yeah. So, and it was actually kind of by accident almost that I found out about it. Um, I was talking to uh, a buddy uh, who works at a school, and he was asking me questions about Arrington Farrar. Because he had just entered the portal. And so I was talking to him. And then all of a sudden, it was just kind of casually brought up. Um, I was looking through Twitter. And I had seen uh, that that uh, that report had come out that Hornerbrook had entered. And then um, my buddy was like, hey, by the way, I don't know if this is out yet. But Hornerbrook just entered the portal. And I was like, yeah, I just saw that. Uh, which was kind of weird because I saw it and didn't really react. And um, I've been pretty outspoken on the podcast where I was pretty like, Alex Hornerbrook's going to be the starter. I'm operating as though he's the starter. And uh, that's all completely out the window now. Uh, in, <laughs> from, uh, I guess from a hundred or from a thousand feet away, it, it, it makes sense. Um, Hornerbrook's been a starter for three years. He's going to graduate in May. He mentioned that in his statement uh, that he put on his Instagram. And it, like I said, it makes sense. He's had, he's been, it seems like for forever uh, that he's been at Wisconsin. As long as Paul Christ has been at Wisconsin, Alex Hornerbrook has been. So from that standpoint, I think he's probably accomplished about all he could at Wisconsin, other than a Big Ten championship, obviously. And it makes sense. Uh, he's, I think, probably suffered the same treatment that Joel Stavi did, where they're in the spotlight a bit too long uh, in Madison. I know a lot of fans uh, are, are were a bit tired of Hornerbrook, whether they were frustrated that they felt as though that he had reached his potential and he wasn't getting any better. Um, I know some people weren't happy about the turnovers and, and whatnot, and then that notwithstanding, it's still a bit of a surprise. You don't see a ton of players leave Wisconsin or transfer from Wisconsin. Obviously, Kyle Penniston is in the portal, and uh, now Farrar and Hornerbrook are as well. So this is kind of a bit of uncharted territory for Wisconsin. But um, I guess my initial thoughts, surprisingly enough, like I said, I didn't really have any. Or it didn't uh, – maybe it just took a few minutes to, to really resonate, but it wasn't this huge – um, jaw-dropping moment, uh, as odd as that seems, but uh, I guess surprising, but but makes sense if you take the time to kind of think about it and look at it. Yeah, I, it's a... I'm not surprised, and, you know, just to kind of backtrack, 
you know, we had, I had heard some rumblings regarding things about Hornybrook and his status last month. And that's when we, uh, when I had sent an email to a UW official asking about the status of Hornybrook, if he's actually participating, a lot of the Instagram photos, the, you know, the videos they had out people, some fans were asking, where is Alex Hornybrook? And I think fans are obviously are not stupid, right? And it is a, one thing where we wanted to also squash kind of either we confirm that he's no longer with the team or he is participating and we let that be known right away. So my tweet back last month, that was the reason why we wanted to in, in kind of a behind the curtain thing. Owen and I had worked to confirm that he was not in the transfer portal at that time. And so that would drew our suspicions right away. And that's why we emailed, uh, you know, the UW official just to confirm Hey, is he practicing with the team? We saw these photos. You know, some people are getting suspicious. They're asking us. We want to set the record straight. We did. He was participating in winter conditioning as of last week. He was still participating in those pictures. If you get, if those, uh, if you follow the Instagram or social media. So, going forward, looking now, you know, I still felt. There's just a little bit, it just feel, felt, maybe call it a gut feeling. Uh, this, it felt, you know, this whole 2019, it's interesting. You have Hornybrook, you have Jack Cohn, who you'd think would take more progressions and whatnot, though we thought the same thing of Hornybrook the year before. He, you have Graham Mertz, obviously, but you also have guys like Danny Vandenboom and Chase Wolf, who I think could be very interesting options and, and see how they progress. I thought Vandenboom had a great spring. Last year in, in a decent fall camp and, and Chase Wolf, I, you know, I saw him. He can spin it. He's got a strong arm. And then you have Mertz with his accolades. And we'll get into the competition going forward in a little later. So I'll, I won't go into detail too much right now. But it just felt uh, we, we purposely kept an eye on the situation. Then, of course, today it hits. And then I'm sure the UW official that we contacted uh, was bombarded once the report from Matt Zenitz from AL.com let it all out, uh, you know, announced that uh, the transfer portal there for Hornybrook. But then, you know, you came in with your report and then also uh, Van Herens from ESPN. So, you know, that it's, I think it's a good opportunity for him. You know, he said in his Instagram account that he's going to graduate in the business school. So he's going to have his degree in hand. And he's also going to have the ability to play one more year of college football anywhere. Uh, for that matter. And he has one more year eligibility as a graduate transfer. And I, I think, you know, we'll get into this legacy going forward now, Owen, and, and talking about that. I think you mentioned, I think he suffered a similar fate to one Joel Stavi, who, you know, Kurt Hogue, and we retreated on the Bucky Smith quarter account just because we thought it was kind of funny, just Joel's picture and his face uh, with, with, cause Joel, I mean, before last year, I thought Alex Hornibrook was going to overtake him for wins. Uh, in a in a career as well as you know breaking touchdown records and whatnot as well, then it did not come to pass. Uh, but let us know too. We wish Alex nothing but the best. Uh, he was I appreciate covering him. I you know I know you know I think towards the end maybe there weren't a lot of um, with just quotes or, or talking. Um, uh, you know he, I appreciated his time with me when it came to discussing just uh article about him flipping from Pitt to Wisconsin for that matter and he had a class but he still took a couple extra minutes just to talk with me so I appreciate that uh, and we wish him the best uh there's obviously uh, you know if, if there's a fresh start see we don't know the exact reason why uh but you know go into his Instagram post and he decided he said that he will transfer he doesn't really go into the reason why he will transfer in his Instagram account but he thinks Wisconsin, the coaches, training staff, teammates, and the fans. But uh, he, you know, will now have a, a fresh start. Uh, we, so he hasn't divulged the reason why he's left, but uh, he will be away from Wisconsin football going on, uh, going forward. So I, I guess, Owen, as after my long-winded conversation there, legacy as a starter, uh, you know, legacy as a Badger. He came in 2016 season. And took over for Bart Houston in that Georgia State game. Then it subsequently started against Michigan State the week after. Led them to victory. Had a rough outing there against Michigan. Won't go into full 2016, but uh, he 26 and 6 as a starter, 
20 and four in big 10 games as the press release announced for Wisconsin. And, you know, orange, orange bowl MVP passed for, was it 258 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions against the vaunted Miami turnover laced defense for the hurricanes in the 2017 orange bowl. And also just, you know, uh, I mean, his legacy really, I mean, there are good times and bad times for every quarterback, but I feel, I mean, he, I think it's a polarized legacy. I think it also was polarized with his, the way he played sometimes where he had strokes of brilliance and we'll get into some of those, but he also had some maddening interceptions and maddening throws that people were aware. What was he seeing? And obviously we don't know the entire offensive concepts and where he was throwing, or maybe the wide receiver was off and maybe that's why it looked, the interception looked bad. We don't know. And you know that better than anybody else because you played college football. So you know that, you know, 99% of we don't, the fans or those that are outside the team, even the media don't necessarily know until we ask them what happened after the game. So it really is interesting there, but regardless, he had an act for throwing interceptions that did not look great. And, but he also came back and had a great ability to, to push back and uh, against Michigan in 2017. Uh, you and I, before we started recording said probably the best throw of his career came against Michigan on that go-ahead touchdown strike to A.J. Taylor on the drive after he threw the interception to Devin Bush, which gave the Wolverines a brief lead until he came back, regained composure, and then led his team down the field and scored a touchdown. But what do you think his legacy is? Yeah, so it's I think polarizing is probably the right word. Um, you know, people forget that everyone wanted Alex Hornerbrook to play when Bart Houston was struggling against Georgia State and how um you know, how quickly fans will forget that, that, um, oh, well, we really wanted, you know, well, Bart Houston's shown us what he can do. We want to see what Hornerbrook can do, right? Uh, and that's kind of the uh, the adage, you know, the backup quarterback's the most popular player on the team. So he took over. Uh, suffer, I, and I guess I've been called a, well, I guess a Joel Stavi apologist or an Alex Hornerbrook apologist or a lot of things, but I guess the biggest thing is Alex Hornerbrook is one of, two people on campus at Wisconsin right now that know what it's like to be the starting quarterback for the university of Wisconsin, uh, within the last 10 years or so. And, uh, it's just such a, I think fans are very quick to be so dismissive or so. And I know we've talked about this. There's almost to the point there's people in the media, you know, that it just, it's baffling that these people, Oh, well, Alex Hornerbrook's not a division one quality quarterback in, in that, that nonsense. And it's Wisconsin football is in a tough spot because the starting quarterback at Wisconsin has this, uh, there's this aura around it or this narrative that, well, it should be really easy to do uh, because of how good the run game is and how effective it is. And I know we talked about it. I think uh, Jack Cohn had a passer rating of six on play action passes this year. So I think there's a lot more that goes into playing quarterback at UW than fans would like to or are willing to admit. Um, and, and at the end of the day, whether they like it or not, Alex Hornerbook, he said, won 81% of his game. Uh, and that's all you can ask your quarterback to do with win. And as you mentioned, there were times where he just threw some absolutely, and Joel Savi was very similar in this aspect. And I remember sitting um, in a Buffalo Wild Wings watching Joel play and sitting there saying, there's just the one throw a game where you sit there and you say, what in the F was he doing or looking at, right? And obviously, like you mentioned, we're not in there. We don't know the play call and, and you all you can see from the television thing, but Alex seemed to have that same tendency. So I think that for fans, I think it was pretty easy to blur the lines and compare the two. Uh, but in, when in all reality, I think a lot of college football programs would take Joel Savi and Alex Hornerbrook as their quarterbacks. So I think that's my legacy. I think he's uh, a better – he'll end up underappreciated. Uh, he's a better, better player than a lot of fans are going to give him credit for. And it's – he's shouldered a lot. Uh, as we've, we've been gone through the, the highs of being in an undefeated, uh, regular season team and seen him play that way. Uh, you've seen the lows, uh, we've, you know, we've, we, you and I have witnessed the injuries in person. We've seen those and, uh, it's, 
I think there's a lot that goes into it. I think it's really easy for fans to be dismissive and say, ah, you know, well, yeah, he won a lot of games, but, and they'll mention a supporting cast or, well, all you have to do is hand the ball off or, yeah, he had a great defense or this or that. But at the end of the day, he won the football team games, and that's all you can ask your quarterback or any player on the football team to do is to help contribute to wins. And I think that'll be his legacy. I think nowadays uh, Badger fans look back fondly. I was having a discussion with someone today on guys like Brooks Bollinger, on guys like Jim Sorgi, who I think Alex Hornerbrook's probably a lot more similar to than a lot of Badger fans would like to admit, but recency bias is a real thing. So I think it's one of those things, his legacy, I think he'll probably be looked back at more fondly the farther away he is from the program, if that makes sense, the longer you know, time heals all wounds type of thing. Um, like I said, he was a, a fairly low three-star recruit that won 26 games at Wisconsin in three years. I get to a certain point. I don't know what a lot of Badger fans want in their quarterbacks. It seems like the biggest mistake that almost any quarterback that's followed Russell Wilson at Wisconsin is that they followed Russell Wilson, that they're not him. So I think Alex Hornerbrook is probably a lot better than fans would like to admit, but he was never uh, the quarterback that that Badger fans, I think, probably wanted him to be, which are two separate things and not necessarily uh, related to each other. So I don't know. I guess I will look back on him fondly as a quarterback. I look back on Joel Stavi fondly as a quarterback. I think once you've been, and I'm sure if you talk to Joel Nellis or anyone else associated with with a football program, you appreciate winning because winning is very hard to do. Uh, you take it for granted when you're winning, um, but when you have those down years, you you look back and you really appreciate how hard it is to win football games. And Alex Hornerbrook did that. Yep. So whether he himself, you know, pulled the team up by his bootstraps and went into the huddle and said, "We're going to go score here." You might not have all those fabled stories or all this or that, but Alex Hornerbrook won football games, and that's how you'll look at him. He won't probably won't be drafted. He will probably have a similar career arc as Joel Savi did in the NFL. He'll be uh, a training camp guy or whatever else, but that's not the the end all be all for quarterbacks. And that they, um, you know, like I said, Badger fans are are really uh, frustrated with their quarterback play or, or whatever, but. He said a lot of football, a lot of college football teams would take Alex Hornerbrook as their starting quarterback. So, right, I guess that's my legacy. It's it's, it's a frustrating one, I think, probably f- uh, for a lot of people involved. But I, and he's a good college quarterback, and he wasn't Russell Wilson. And that's, I guess, ultimately, he, like I said, he turned the ball over a lot, and he won a lot of football games. And he's not a top five quarterback in the NFL. So, like I said, it, it seems to be. Wisconsin fans are very quick to anoint their next, you know, uh, star in waiting until there's someone else behind them. So uh, it'll be a very interesting case study to see how this goes with with Graham Mertz. Wisconsin's kind of in uncharted territory with him, and and we'll kind of see how this goes. But um, looking back on Alex Hornerbrook as a whole, he won a lot of football games. He was good to us in the media, uh, and and really that's that's really all we have to go off of. But um, I think probably you look back on him fondly. And I agree on it. It is a complicated legacy on this note where, you know, quarterback, you know, I've heard the quarterback position. I remember a high school coach telling me that it transcends both offense and defense. And I know some people don't like the quarterback stats, but you have to have a leader leader at that position in, you know, 26 and six as a starter is not a bad, by any stretch of the imagination, a bad record for a player like Alex Hornibrook there. And uh, you do, you hit it on the head with uh, Russell Wilson. It's yeah, I think guys like Savi and, and Hornibrook for that matter uh, came in and they did things that, you know, looking at the, you know, older generations, of Wisconsin quarterbacks, they would have loved to have too. Uh, but the, the Russell Wilson uh, experiment, which was a huge success in 2011, Kind of gave fans a glimpse of of what it could be when you have a quarterback like Russell Wilson, who's a once in a generation player uh, at the college level. And uh, for Wisconsin, I mean, I know a lot are pinning their hopes on Graham Mertz, and we'll get, get into the co- quarterback competition now. Uh, but I mean, I do think you know fans have, have can have gripes about Horny Brook with some of the bad throws. Um, 
bad games. I mean, 2017, Iowa, that pick six with Jack, Josh Jackson to start the game where he's trying to target Taylor on that, that deep out or that, I think that outer hitch. And uh, yeah, and he did not, uh, and obviously he underthrew it or threw it to inside. And next thing you know, uh, Jackson's taking it to the house for pick six in a very crucial game. Wisconsin's defense did it all, you know, did it all really holding the Hawkeyes to 66 yards total offense that game. But those were like the two blemishes were his interceptions. Now the second one wasn't his fault on that note, but uh, even this year, 2018 at Michigan, um, only 25 yards passing to the last drive in garbage time. And he wound up with a hundred yards offense, hundred yards passing offense there. And against his, I mean, his final game as a badger against Minnesota. I mean, this is being, this is being objective. There's no, no hate or spew or anything like that. He got a bad game. He may have completed 22 or 33 passes for just about 190 yards, but he threw three interceptions. And then on top of that, uh, he was credited with another fumble in that game. So, and, and it's the first time in, 14 years that Wisconsin lost the ax. You know, it was a lifeless loss that you and I were both there for. Uh, yeah. Cam Randall stadium. So, I mean, but then there's also, like I said, the good times, the orange bowl, we're tearing apart Miami. There's uh, the, getting back up on, you know, the offense and in making up for mistakes and leading the team down the field that, that way. So it's a complicated legacy. I think most quarterbacks, you could say that at Wisconsin, Outside of maybe a Scott Soldine or Russell Wilson right now, but well, you you know I, I think you mentioned it. History will probably shine brighter on him as time goes on, and, and we do wish him the best, obviously. And it is, you know, like I said, he was great to talk to, and we appreciated his time that he took and every week basically because he was always asked questions and whatnot, and was always requested uh, when he wasn't a part of the the Monday uh, normal uh, talks that they had uh, right after Paul Chris press conference. So, looking ahead, though, quarterback competition, what it means. I mean, Owen, it, it's uh, for that room, for John, but John, John Budmeyer's room. First off, you have two quarterbacks that have played in the combined – Actually, yeah, combined seven games last year. And then uh, on top of that, yeah, 13 career games between Jack Cohn and Danny Vandenboom because Cohn played six games his first year in mop-up duty as number two. And then he played five games last year, four and a half really, uh, with playing the, the second half of the Rutgers game. And then Danny Vandenboom played two. And the two of them were in mop-up time. So you lose a player that had 32 starts underneath his belt. And that, I mean, so you're gone is the main competition, maybe. So it opens up an entire new, entirely new, I think, I think competition can be more interesting. I thought it would be interesting even if Hornybrook would have came back to try to get back on the, the, the kid, the player that's trying to, really rebound and improve his worth. That would have been an interesting story. But now you have young guys, you know, Jack Cohen's going into his third year, but I still count him as a young guy. It's going to be his third spring ball because he enrolled early. You have Danny Vandenboom, redshirt sophomore, going to be his second spring. Chase Wolf, his first spring, who I think is a dark horse. And we'll get into predictions in our mailbag segment right after this, this little segment we have right here. Uh, and you have Nate Carter, who's a you know walk-on from Wanakee. But then you have Mertz, obviously, Graham Mertz, the All-American Bowl MVP, the Elite 11 quarterback, the opening finals uh, you know, competitor, four-star quarterback, top 65 player in the nation. I think there's, I mean, to me, there's, I think, a lot of potential with this group. But with Hornibrook gone, there goes the entire, there goes the vast majority of, of playing time and experience. And it's going to be very interesting to watch this group progress through spring ball and then into fall camp. Absolutely. I think this is as much of a, uh, you want the job, go get it. Uh, atmosphere as Wisconsin will have had since Paul Christ returned his first off season back. He named Joel Stavi the starter very quickly. And uh, the last couple of years, obviously Bart won the job, but then Alex got it. And it's, it's mostly been, unquestioned that 
that Hornibrook would be the starter since. This is, and you talk about it's a young room now, right? With the two oldest guys in the room being redshirt sophomores and right, Cody right. Vandenboom. There are four seniors on the offense. Uh, so I think that's when you're talking about this is a, a, an extremely young unit. And I think that's important because you're going to have a young kid, regardless, taking the reins of that offense. Uh, I think this is a this is going to be as open of a competition as you can really have. Like I said, Jack Cohn played in, in five games last year. And other than probably the second half or overtime of the Purdue game, average at best. Right. I mean, he really struggled against Penn State. He struggled against Northwestern. Uh, wasn't asked to do much in the Rutgers or Miami games. So, with that said, uh, it's going to be interesting because I think for the fans that are rallying or are really wanting Graham Mertz to win the job, I think things just got a lot more interesting because if you're talking about, I think I saw it was Evan Flood talked about all the, the, the pieces to this offense returning, right? You've got Jonathan Taylor, Garrett Groshek, and Bradrick Shaw, who have all had multi, you know, extensive carries out of the backfield. A.J. Taylor, Kendrick Pryor, Danny Davis, Jack Dunn, Aaron Crookshank all took significant sta- snaps last year at receiver. They are all back. Jake Ferguson is back. A lot of returning linemen, not start, not people, not linemen that played, uh, other than Biotish and, and Van Lannen, but in, in a couple games for Logan Bruss, but you have guys that have played or that, that are returning, right, and, and are kind of in place. There's a lot to be optimistic about if your argument is put the true freshman in. Uh, we talked about this a bit off air. Rutgers started a true freshman last year in Archer Sitowski. Not a great situation, really, for any quarterback in the Rutgers offense, but for, to, for sure a, a true freshman uh, who really, like I said, not a ton of dynamic playmakers on that offense uh, to, to help out a young kid. That's not the case with the batters. Uh, so if that's part of your argument is that Graham Mertz needs to come in and he needs to start because there's the pieces are already in place. I think that argument just got a lot more enticing. If uh, you thought that, well, maybe it was the competition was going to be between Hornibrook and Cone and Mertz needs to sit and wait. I don't think that's necessarily out of the picture yet either. I know Danny Vandenboom, we haven't seen a ton of him in games, but I know you and I have both seen him in, in practices. I was under the impression that there was not much separation, at least from what I saw, between Cone and Vandenboom. So maybe that's yeah, an, uh, I, I would say, a dynamic here. I would say with that, that with Vandenboom, I think Cone had an edge. I thought he commanded the offense during spring ball or during fall camp with – not on the level of Hornybrook, but I thought there was a little bit of a separation between Vandenboom and Cohn there, though I would say in the spring, I thought Vandenboom made some huge strides last season. And so I, right. I, I and, and yeah, when I had seen Vandenboom was in spring. So obviously I didn't see fall camp. You saw fall camp, but um, so I, I guess theoretically um, there might not be a huge uh, chasm there between those two. And then you mentioned it, Chase Wolf. Uh, I know a lot of Badger fans are kind of curious why he seems to be the forgotten guy in the room. Uh, obviously a redshirt freshman coming into this year. I know everyone's very quick to mention, well, Ohio State offered him, uh, which is certainly an endorsement as a quarterback prospect as well. Uh, he's an Ohio kid and ended up choosing Wisconsin. But I think that this is a... Anyone who says they know what's going to happen, I think it's one of those things where you can look them in the face and tell them that they're lying because this is as as open of a competition as Wisconsin will have had in quite some time, really. Uh, And I guess there might be an argument here that no particular player among the competition is uh, head and shoulders above anyone else. So it'll be very interesting to see how this turns out and – like I said, really could could dictate the next couple of years of the Wisconsin offense. I think you hit on the head, Owen, talking about like there's just not one maybe definitive leader on that note. And I do feel that someone like – I think Cone has an edge, 
where he's played in five meaningful Division One games against you know four starts, and three of them were against Big Ten opponents. He came in against Rutgers midway through, and then he he's played in that type of game. I think he I think the offense need, you know he didn't I would say he played okay. I don't think it was pedestrian. I don't think it was greater world sh- shaking, but he showed the ability that he could command an offense, especially I think obviously that fourth quarter against Purdue and then also against Miami. Granted, he did wasn't asked to do a lot, but he did hit Kendrick Pryor for that 35 yard touchdown to start the game. So on top of that, uh, I think that gives him a little bit of an edge there. Uh, I like Vandenboom. I, I really liked what he's done, uh, you know, what he did in spring ball last year. And you and I both saw that. And then I also liked what, you know, like what he did a little bit during fall camp. I think Cohen separated himself a little bit in fall camp last year compared to Vandenboom and commanding the offense. But Vandenboom also got some play, you know, to garbage time, but he led you know, the, the reserves in a touchdown drive and his first career touchdown pass, which was before Cohen's, by the way, uh, in his career, uh, to Taj Mustafa for a touchdown uh, in that New Mexico game, uh, the second game of the year. So I think they're out, that's a positive sign there for, for leading the reserves in that matter. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Chase Wolf, you know, he, he spun the ball really well in fall camp, I thought, uh, in terms of just having an arm. I think now the spring ball is going to be huge for him. He has a year. He's probably he's probably a scout team guy last year, red-shirted, was on scout team. Now he'll have the opportunity to really kind of learn and digest more in this offense coming up in the spring. And then, of course, you have Mertz. And so Graham Mertz, you know, elite 11 quarterback, uh, opening finals. I mean, we can Gatorade player of the year. We could go on with his list of accolades, All-American Bowl MVP. But you saw, I think, in that old American Bowl MVP, I think a lot of people freaked out where they saw five touchdown passes, and a couple of them were letting the receivers do their job and making the plays after the catch. The first and the third one stood out the most there. But he also made some good throws, uh, finding receivers in stride. That fifth touchdown pass uh, looked really sharp there and, and throwing his receiver open. And those are against four or five-star quarterback uh, players, I should say, uh, both on offense and defensive ends that are pretty much, I don't know if I could say college-ready, but... They're pretty darn close, uh, you know, in terms of the speed. So, I, you know, it, this competition, it's just that, you know, you take out Hornybrook, right now, this team at quarterback, I think a lot can happen that's now different because Hornybrook's gone. The, the big guy's no longer there, and now the more inexperienced players will have that opportunity to shine and there are going to be more reps in spring ball. Now there's one less quarterback and we'll see what comes of it. And, you know, spring ball, I think maybe it's just to set expectations. I don't think, you know, unless someone goes head and shoulders above, I don't think Alex, you know, I don't think it's going to be like a situation where Alex Hornibrook's named the starter or like 2015 where Joel Stave was named starter right off the bat. I feel that, Really, I I feel this won't be decided till fall camp. It may not be till midway or the end of fall camp where they name a starter. In my opinion, I, I think Cone's got the edge, but with that game experience. But I do think others are going to have the opportunity, and, and spring ball is that opportunity too. You know this, where they they can practice timing. They're going to make mistakes. I expect Graham Mertz to throw interceptions coming up, and we're going to we're going to report it. And I'm sure people are going to be like, "What's going on?" But there's a learning curve for any quarterback coming in. And you know it, I know it too. And it's just realistic. But I do feel my bold expectation is, even before Hornybrook left, was that he was going to find some reps in fall camp, which is what happens. Spring ball, these practices springboard you into reps if you perform well in spring. in you know, Getting reps in fall camp, which would then lead into reps during games. So I feel that he will have, you know, Mertz, even before Hornybrook left, that he was going to do something. That was my bold expectation, is that he would take some time early on, you know, maybe have a little bit of some blips here and there, like all quarterbacks do, and then slowly progress along, play well at the end of the spring, 
and then use that to come into fall camp ready to rock and roll and see what happens there. Now with Hornybrook gone, I think that that that, that doesn't change for me, really. I think, it, but though I do feel that now the option for him to be a quarterback, the starting quarterback is now, his chances have improved, obviously, with Hornybrook gone, but I still feel his progression is going to be the same. Sure. And I think that's something where I guess it wouldn't surprise me at all if you see with Graham Mertz or any of these quarterbacks, and I guess it, it should be noted that Graham Mertz is going to be ahead of where Chase Wolf was and in, in, in what Danny Vandenboom was. And we talked about uh, Jack Cohn enrolled early and all that. But so Vandenboom and Chase Wolf got their first reps in fall. And as like we had uh, Joel Nellis on the show a few months ago talking about the learning curve of of playing a quarter like playing quarterback in Paul Chris's offense, learning the different formations and shifts and personnel groupings and making protection checks and run checks and making sure everyone's lined up right and everything else, which I think a lot of fans would say, well, yeah, well, that's what quarterbacks do. And to an extent it is, but Graham Mertz is going to get a lot of that learning out of the way in spring, uh, which I think probably more, uh, like I said, after Hornerbrook transferring here really makes a bigger difference. And I think that it wouldn't surprise me at all at this point, uh, which is this is going to sound like way different from from the forecast I've kind of had prior, but Jonathan Taylor came in, and, and quarterback and running back are not the same thing, but Jonathan Taylor came in and kind of late and early in camp, he used that time to to get acquainted and to do whatever. All of a sudden, later in fall camp, once the training wheels start to come off a little bit, the coaches say, we've got to get this guy on the field. And then all of a sudden against Utah State, Bradrick Shaw looks fine, but man, that true freshman looks really good. And then Bradrick Shaw gets dinged. And then, like I said, then we're off to the races and the the throttle, uh, you know, the throttle stop is off and we're pedal to the metal with this kid. It would not surprise me at all uh, with Graham Mertz at this point, like you said, early in spring's probably gonna be rough. It's just a big transition. And even even if it's not really coming together by the end of spring ball, fall camp can get to that point where if all of a sudden he kind of comes out of nowhere and is like, whoa, Graham Mertz just got a lot better. It looks way better. I think what the Badgers are going to do, uh, I think they're going to use those first four games. And I think Graham Mertz, obviously we got a long way to go, but I think that Graham Mertz is going to get snaps in those first few games. And I think at that point, it's going to be, you know, nut up or shut up time where is he ready to go or not? So obviously we got a long way to go, but it would not surprise me with the type of talent that Mertz is that if at some point, and you see this with kids sometimes where all of a sudden they're not really getting it. They're not, you know, they're kind of stagnating. They're still kind of getting it. And then all of a sudden it clicks. Yep, and all of a sudden they're very hard to keep off the field, and I, I guess, like I said, this is a lot of speculation. We're way ahead. It would not surprise me at all if something like that happened, where all of a sudden you can't not have Graham Mertz on the field. And I mean, it could even happen with, like, I think, a guy like Chase Wolf. Uh, I think he's my dark horse for the competition, just because I, I like how he throws the ball. It's a gut feeling. I have nothing. I have no insider info. I just like how he throws the ball. But I think there's a lot of talent with this group too. So it, that's what makes it even more interesting, especially with the top four right now. Uh, nothing against Nate Carter, but Cone, Vandenboom, Wolf, Mertz. It's going to be very interesting to watch, uh, and I know that's going to be the main. Uh, for me, I'm still going to be looking at, I think the, the more areas of concern in my opinion right now are outside linebacker for sure. Who starts opposite Zach Bond and if Zach Bond can stay healthy for next year, but then also defensive line and who continues to make progressions from what we saw last year though. So maybe where in your opinion, or do you agree with that? I think, it, I think it'll make the quarterback just because of the position itself will make the most noise. But obviously, I think it's still right now 
ranks as maybe number three, number four in terms of areas of concern for this team heading into 2019. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it's pretty, it's like you said, it's the headliner. It's the easy thing to talk about. Uh, yeah, I, I think I, there is um, some legitimate concerns at that other outside linebacker spot. The depth at defensive line. Um, and like what a lot of Badger fans will tell you, you're right or wrong, Wisconsin's quarterback often does not win them games, and or at least maybe earlier in the year. And you're not playing Michigan or Ohio State in those first couple games or, or these these tougher Big Ten games. But, I mean, I we saw last year what can happen when the uh, offense isn't able to alleviate some – pressure off of the defense at times obviously this this defense this past year was nothing nothing comparable to the one year before and a lot of different circumstances led to that but uh i think probably from a talent or or outlook standpoint quarterback's probably not number one but as you and i both know um if you want to win football games quarterback is number one right so moving forward i yeah I, I agree they've they've probably there's probably less talent concerns at quarterback than there are at those other positions but quarterback's number 1 man yep i'm alex rodriguez and i'm jason kelly from bloomberg this is the deal each week you're here in conversation with business icons this show will explore deal making across sports media and entertainment that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With that, let's let's go to our mailbag so we uh, wrap up the show here on Buck Houston Podcast. Thanks for listening to us, guys. We appreciate it. Heading up first, uh, one of our writers, Andrew Rosen, asks, percentage chance Chase Wolf wins QB1. I'll go... 10%. I'll go 15 uh, on that. Uh, that ballpark gut feeling, nothing to go off of. I think, like I said, my thoughts... Um, uh, well, we'll get into that because we'll finish it with our... That'll be the last question from Brett Cresson, for that matter. Uh, we'll get to that question at the end, but right now I'll go... I'll say 125 to 15%, and you said 10 Uh From Thor Sanity, will UW retire Alex Hornibrook's number? I mean, I, 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 the, <laughs> they have to do Joel Stavis The acting president of the Mike McCarthy fan club um, no, they won't retire Alex Hornerbrook's number. Um, they have to do Joel's but, uh, first. They have to do Joel's first before everything else. Uh, that's my. Th- those are my two cents there. Neil Olson, another one of our writers there. Will Paul Christ actually hold the spring game or avoid entirely so the quarterback competition is un- as, as not unknown as possible? Just as a heads up, I asked UW, I asked them, a UW official last week or the week before uh, the last Wisconsin basketball game. And it was still to be determined uh, in terms of what, what's happening. So, uh, I mean, we, we don't know the date yet in terms of when the spring game will be. So it's still to be determined, still to be TBA still to be announced is probably the better way to say it. So right now the spring game is to be announced. Uh, We don't know any more information. And so we'll let you know immediately thereafter. We do know spring ball starts officially in that press release, kind of buried at the end. Spring ball does begin March 26th. So it's after their spring break. It's the last week of March. It's a little different than what they've done in years past where they've kind of started for two weeks and then they take a spring break off and they finish up the rest of the time. So again, we don't know spring game yet. I don't think Paul would necessarily do that. But we'd still, it's still TBA to be announced. 
the spring ball game is still, we don't know when it'll be, but uh, that's a good question, Neil, but um, yeah, we're still waiting to hear back when it will be and for what cause it will be for. Well, and to be honest, like the Badgers don't have a real spring game. Uh, If you want to watch the spring game, you can watch the Scarlet and Gray game at Ohio State, or you can watch the Alabamas or the Auburns or the, the teams with the obnoxious amounts of depth. Uh, that that hold real competitive. Um, Mississippi State had to call theirs off last year because Jonathan Abram, who will be a top fifty pick or so this year, like killed a guy. <laughs> like <laughs> they're starting strong safety, knocked the dude out, and they had to cancel the spring game. So you want to watch a spring game? You can watch the SEC. You can watch Ohio State, Penn State, whatever. Uh, the Badgers really don't hold one. Uh, it's more or less a glorified scrimmage. Right. They'll get their reps in, have a chance to to evaluate, but it's not a true spring game. I know last year it was rained out, so you and I got to watch a practice inside the McLean Center. Yep. Um, but it's a, uh, I mean, something will happen. It will not be a true game atmosphere, uh, and I'm sure the quarterback competition won't be decided in the spring game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not a. Well, I mean, like I said, it's not a true competitive game. I'm, I'm trying to remember back to Gary Anderson's first one. I think he did. I think I'm not exactly sure what they did. I thought there was some weird scoring system they did. It wasn't necessarily. Well, and they did one uh, with like team Schobert and team Aberderis a few years ago, but I mean, it's not a real game. That's not a, they're not actually playing football. I mean, it's, it's, it's organized. It's like a scrimmage, you know, you have first all versus second D and whatever, but it's not a real lining up to see who's going to score and, and win this football game. Um, if you want to watch that, you can watch Alabama. <laughs> uh, Don Money was asking, can I get a redo on the quarterback question after the Hornybrook news? Uh, I think you give the key- kid the keys to the hot rod and hope he doesn't smash it up too bad. I mean, you, you I mean, Don's referring to an, a question last, I think it was last week or the week before with the mailbag. Just the quarterbacks, uh, you know, that was when we were talking about Alex Hornybrook. I, I think we both thought he was going to be a starter if he came back. Um, I, uh, I think you mentioned it perfectly earlier. Uh, there are days where you have guys like Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, uh, number one overall recruit, five-star kid. Uh, you have Adrian Martinez for Nebraska, a four-star kid for Nebraska who kind of found you enrolled early by the way, and made a difference. But then you also have a guy like Arthur Sitkowski, for Rutgers, who I believe led the team, I thought uh, for sure at one point he led the FBS in interceptions. And so I think that's one thing. Uh, and every quarterback's different. They'll pick up the offenses different. They have different opponents mostly. But uh, I, I think right now, I mean, it's a lot to ask when we haven't seen the kid live. So I kind of reserve judgment for a quarterback, you know, uh, in terms of, uh, Mertz's chances, though I, I feel he's got the intangibles, and I think he'll be, he'll have an impact, a po- very positive impact on Wisconsin football, uh, especially on the field. But I, I feel recruiting too down the road. But right now, I, I, I'll reserve judgment there. I mean, if as long as we're going to use the car analogies here, I think Graham Mertz certainly uh, has the opportunity to drive the fastest out of any of the quarterbacks in the locker room. Um, going to be able to see if he knows how to drive stick yet or not it's it's a like i said i think the potential with him is the highest but like you said we don't know uh he's only played against high school players to this point so while i understand the optimism and i understand this this hype around him um i think it's a really really uh fine line between saying yeah well Graham Mertz can succeed as a true freshman. Other people have do it, have done it. And it's another thing to say, uh, these phenom true freshmen have done it. Um, look what's around them. And, and I'm going to give some examples. We talked about, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence was a, and I understand this is, it's not an exact thing. Trevor Lawrence was like a 0.9999 recruit on 24 seven. He was the number one overall player in the country. One, two has a NFL running back, three NFL receivers and multiple NFL offensive linemen in front of him. These are not the same situations. And, and that's nothing to take away from Trevor Lawrence. And it's nothing to dissuade someone from thinking that Graham Mertz can succeed as a true freshman. 
but these are not the same thing. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, true freshman at Alabama. These are not the same things. Different planets worth of talent. Um, you know, Alabama, obviously no one has any questions about how much NFL talent they have at literally every position. Adrian Martinez might be a closer closer deal. Uh, he started as or played a lot as a true freshman. And uh, I think that you saw why um, you, when you watched him play. I think he had, what, over 500 yards of total offense against UW? Around there, uh, yeah. And he's got some got two NFL receivers and an NFL running back, their defense can't stop anybody. So I think Scott Frost very quickly realized the best chance we have to win is to let this kid play some schoolyard ball. And uh, I think that's kind of what you saw. So, like I said, there's no reason that fans should think that Graham Mertz can't play as a true freshman. Um, But I think if you want to use that excuse of – yeah, well, he can succeed. Trevor Lawrence did it. I think you're barking up a wrong tree, and I think it's a, a losing battle to to use that thought process. Um, one person asked, why isn't anyone giving Chase Wolf a chance? He was a highly rated recruit 12 months ago. No one has seen him play in college. Doesn't mean he can't. I think we hit on the head already, and thank you for that question, too. We haven't seen Chase Wolf in the spring ball, and I, I'm interested in seeing how he spins it uh, with a, you know, almost a year under his belt as at Wisconsin and then how he improves there. Uh, and again, he's my dark horse to see what happens in this quarterback competition, especially if he can throw a, a strong ball and if he's accurate, I think that's going to be a big thing for him uh, in, in timing with receivers. So uh, like I said, nothing to, you know, I believe there is that uh, when Jesse Temple worked for land of 10, he, he had that article talking about chase Wolf and how, you know, Urban Meyer tried to flip him, and and Chase said that you know, oh, we're we're going to beat you. You know, I'm going to stay with Wisconsin. We're going to beat you in, in the Big Ten championship game. So I mean, you know, Ohio State tried to go after the you know one of their in-state kids, and Wisconsin held them off. So I think I think Chase, I, I'm giving him. You know, we already said our chances, but I think he's got a shot. And I think this, I always see, like I said, it's a young position group. So we'll go from there. And uh, last question, Brett Cresson asks, who do you guys think will be the starting quarterback for Wisconsin? Owen, I'll let you go first. I think to start the year, it's going to be Jack Cohn. Uh, like I said, I think in those four games, I think it's going to be used differently than it has been. I think they've used that game, those games in the past to get kids' feet wet. Uh, and to get him some game experience without using that red shirt. But I think you're going to see a different uh, – I, I guess let me put it this way. If Graham Mertz plays in those first four games, it's not going to be to hand the ball off and throw the ball to the fullback on play action um, like we've seen with Cone and a couple other guys. It, he's not – like I said, that those games are for him to – uh, I think he's going to let it rip. Um, I don't think it's it's so much. Let's get this kid some snaps in a college game and, and get his feet wet. I think if he if he's playing in those first four games, they're going to use him uh, to see are you ready to go or not. And uh, if after four games they think we're going to go with Jack because he gives us the best chance to win, so be it. But I would not be surprised at all. I mean, Alex Hornerbrook started the fourth game of his freshman or redshirt freshman year he came into that third game and it had played a little bit and got some additional time and then that was that was the transition and uh like i said i think that with this new redshirt rule uh don't be surprised if um like i said graham mertz gets a little bit different opportunity maybe uh to kind of use those snaps as a uh, less garbage time up 40 to hand the ball off and more Let's see what he's got. Yeah, I would say right now my money, I, I think just based on experience, it's nothing against other quarterbacks uh, in this position group too. Let me just say that too. Uh, it, I think it's Jack Cohn right now. I think just because of that experience, I think he has the edge. I think he took that step during fall camp last year to command the offense. I, I know in game action it looked conservative at times. I don't know the full play calling there. I think he's still getting his feet wet there. I think it progressed, especially against Purdue. 
and especially against Miami where they opened up some things like a tight end screen. And I know the stats didn't show that. And he also would have had another touchdown pass to Luke Benchwall if there wasn't, I think it was an illegal block called. Uh, I don't know if it was on Van Lannon or Jonathan Taylor there, but that negated a 20 yard touchdown pass to, to Luke Benchwall. So, uh, I mean, on that, I, I feel that this T, I feel, you know, they I think he gives right now the most experience for that group. So there's that edge. I think that's a significant edge, but I wouldn't doubt if a guy like Vandenboom, who I think, you know, could challenge there as an, another third year quarterback like Cone, though he didn't enroll early like Cone. I like Chase Wolf just because of the, like I said, the arm strength. And I've said that I think 15 times on this podcast. I want to see more of him. I don't have a full, clear, developed picture of him, but I thought he threw the ball. You know, he, had, he could spin it. Now, can he do everything else? Uh, and Mertz, I, I, you know, I still think yeah, you mentioned the the red shirt rule. Uh, and I think with his intangibles, if if he can pick up what you mentioned earlier with the the run checks and getting people lined up correctly and learning the offense and digesting it, then you proceed. And you have that ability then to to really have the potential to to make some noise, and I mean, you know, uh, we wrote that expectations piece about Graham Mertz, and uh, you know, I'm looking at basically this is how he'd say, you know, it, it starts with formations, formations then lead the shifts and motions, that then lead the pass protections, and then pass protections lead the passing game, and then passing game led the run game. And that led to run checks. So there's this whole checklist that John Budmeyer has been going through and Paul Chris has been going through, you know, in terms of, you know, the past month and a half before he even signed with Wisconsin, going through and even starting to learn that offense there. If he can pick that stuff up as a true freshman, good golly, folks. Like, that's what you call, you know, that could be a three, four year starter. However, like I said, it's, there's so much you have to adjust to. On the field, off the field, he's he, first year college, still learning the ropes there, uh, and we'll see what happens. Uh, but right now, I say my money's on Cone, but I think it's wide open where you can. I think player these players have chances to to make an impact, and it all starts this spring, which is less than a month from now. And what how they perform and how they progress in the spring will ultimately lead to what reps they receive during fall camp and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch in my opinion. And it's going to be something, I don't know if we've really, you know, I know Bart Houston and Alex Hornibrook had their little thing back for the 2016 season, but I think this opens it up in a really interesting manner where you have four quarterbacks vying for that spot that have some form of a shot in my opinion. And now it's, like I said, we haven't seen them necessarily, but I like, I should say, see them all, you know, where they're at right now. We've seen little glimpses here and there and their prep tapes at, you know, cone last season, van and boom and garbage time. And what we saw in camps uh, for three of the four, but I, I like, I like the group and it's now up to John Budmeyer, the position coach, Joe Rudolph, the offensive coordinator, Paul Chris, the head coach to see coming up who makes the, you know, who can make the most noise and who they'll play as the best player on the field that gives them the chance to win especially going up against South Florida starting late August. So uh, anything else you want to add, uh, Owen, before we uh, get out of here? Five-star reviews only. Uh, <laughs> you can check us out. Um, listen to the podcast. Uh, let your friends know. Uh, you can download us at Apple Music – or excuse me, uh, the Apple Store, Google Store, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, um, anywhere you can find podcasts, you can find us. Um, leave us a five-star review. Let us know what you liked, what you didn't like. Um, and, and how we can improve moving forward. So thanks for listening again. And uh, like I said, it's an exciting time for Badger it football. Is. And I mean, like I said, we wish Alex Hornybrook the best and finding uh, and one, congratulating him for graduating in May, which is huge uh, from the business school at Wisconsin, a uh, great degree and a great future set up from there and best wishes for his football career, wherever that lands. And we'll see what comes of the now seemingly young, quarterback room or inexperienced quarterback room 
here for the Wisconsin Badgers. So for Owen Reese, this is Jay Kokorowski. We'll catch you guys maybe next week, early next week. Talk some scouting combine, talk some more basketball, Big Ten basketball. We'll have someone on the show, a guest, to talk about what where Wisconsin could land, not just for the Big Ten tournament, but also what's going on with March Madness coming up just shortly. And we'll have all that and more Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and analysis here on Bucky's 5th Podcast.